Good evening, everybody. I'm sorry I'm a little late. Uh, I'm just cannot still be pointed. Check my speaker. It says that my speaker's not working properly. Can everybody hear me? Hello? Yes. Okay, great. Excellent. Okay, it says it's recording, so I'm going to assume that it's telling the truth. Okay, we are continuing with Rabbi Force's book, for um, For those of you following inside, um, we are on page 45. Um, tonight's topics we will hopefully cover making the brachos, what it takes to make the bracha, the proper pronunciation of the brachos, and um, the, the concept of bracha levatala. We'll touch a little bit on the concept of bracha levatala and how that works. Okay, so making a bracha is something that you have to say. And now there is an idea in the Gemara, Talmud talks about, let's talk about an idea that is hear her kedibur dummy, which means that one's thoughts can count as, uh, as speech. However, and there's a big debate Let's say if a person wakes up in the morning and didn't say Birkas HaTorah yet, so can he think in Torah before before he can even think about Torah before? You know, I used to say to people, the way you know you're holding and learning, holding and learning is, I guess, a very yeshiva expression, so excuse, excuse the vernacular for the moment, but the concept of thinking and learning means, holding and learning means, there's a mitzvah for, at least for, for a man, to be, to be learning all the time. In the beginning of, of, of Sefer Yehoshua, that you have an obligation to be studying constantly and continuously, unless you're engaged in some other critical elements of life, of life like eating or sleeping. So then you can say that that in itself is an, is an aid to your learning. So then you, you're exempt in those situations. But when a person's really holding and learning, I mean, when a person's whole being is suffused with learning so then you have to control yourself not to actually learn under under certain circumstances where you're not allowed to be learning so for instance if a person is in a in the in the bathroom so you're not allowed you're not allowed to think and learning over there if you find yourself needing to control your control your thought process that's when you know you're really holding and learning that's when that's when the learning is really it's hitting home it's become it's become a part of your whole being the same thing applies so that how that's relevant to us is in this concept of hear her kedivur dummy on page forty five, hear her kedivur dummy, right? If a person is thought process is like speaking, so then theoretically, in order to if a person was studying Torah, if a person was thinking in Torah, um, could you just check this to Mrs. Raskin? If she maybe she's trying to get on. Oh, let's tell Mr. Raskin at eight forty five. Are you trying uh, to get on here? Yeah. So, so thinking and learning. Was Nick Dafyomi? 845. 845 is Dafyomi. Well, he's got to call the house. Oh, he's got to call the house for that. <laughs> okay, sorry. Excuse us. Okay, so think again, thinking 270026. 270026. 0026. Okay. Okay, so sorry about that. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so again, so when one's thinking and learning, so if hearer is Kadir Dami, thinking is like saying, then one has to say Birkasa Torah, one has to make a blessing on the study of Torah prior to thinking and learning. But if if not, if we don't if we don't say that, 
then one could think in learning even before one actually uh, says the Perkas Torah, says the blessings on the Torah. And then when you want to, because as you'll see, most things that require one's full engagement require one to actually say the words. So even when you're learning Torah, even if you're studying on your own, there's an idea that you're supposed to actually move your lips and be engaged in, to be engaged in studying Torah. Now, moving the lips is going to be very significant to what we're talking about over here. A bracha, the point of a bracha is to announce out loud, as we've mentioned in the past couple of weeks, that I'm connecting to the source, I'm connecting to the Rebbe I'm connecting to where I come from, and I want to make myself a part of that. So, one has to actually say the words of the bracha. Now, what, what constitutes saying the words of the bracha? So it seems very clear that there are poskim that say, saying the words of the bracha, the minimal sheer, the minimal amount that means what a person has to say something, means that you have to be able to hear it yourself. Sometimes you could mouth the words and not be actually saying anything. In other words, no sound is actually coming out. The goal here is to actually say the words in a way that you can actually hear yourself speaking. That's that's the ideal way, and, and pronouncing each word clearly. However, um, uh, the the there is a shita of the Vilna Gon, which based on which 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 the author here, if you take a look in note number thirty-eight, he points out in the name of Shlomo Zaman Arbach that if a person simply moves his lips, even if no sound comes out, that constitutes having said the bracha. That's enough to be ahead to, for, for a person to say that he has said the bracha. Now, here's, here's where this, this concept, remember, brachos doesn't only, we're not only talking about the bracha that you make on your apple, we're talking about all brachos. That means the brachos of Shmon Esri as well. Here's where it becomes an issue. There's a halacha that a person has to be able to say the words. The Gemara actually says this. The person, when it comes to the word to the, to the Shmon Esri, a person should say the words so that you can hear it. You should be able to hear it yourself. What happens if I'm dominating in shul, a full shul? Let's say it's Rosh Hashanah. And there's a person standing right next to me. If you start saying a bracha in a way that you can hear yourself, guess what? The guy right next to you can hear you also. And you're really disturbing their kavana. That's a, so a person would say, well, what am I supposed to do? The halacha is, you're supposed to hear it. But with this, with this, this uh, chuva from Rabshon Zalman, you have the perfect out, so to speak. In other words, you have the perfect ability now to be to 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 be considerate of the person next to you, and there can be no greater schos for you in terms of your davening. There can be no greater merit for you in terms of your davening that if you, when you're davening, you're having consideration for the guy standing or the lady standing next to you and not saying it loud enough so you can hear it yourself, but not actually just mouthing the words clearly in other words you say the words you say every word and you move your lips with the with the sound but without actually uttering any sound and you can be yotze with that and and you're doing it because you're being considerate of the person sitting next to you i guarantee you your tefillos are going to get answered that's your tefillos. there's no question in my mind that as such that if a person does something like that is to their tefillos are going to be are going to be answered so um ideally the ideal situation is to be able to make a bracha um in out loud, so in a way that you can hear it in a clear voice, slowly pronouncing every word carefully. There's an idea that's brought down. I remember even as a small child, my, my, my grandmother used to tell me, she used to say that, that, that the words that you don't pronounce properly, they're going to come back after 120 years. They're going to come crippled and with broken arms and broken legs. And they say, this is the bracha that you made, that you didn't pronounce the words clearly. You didn't say, you didn't say the word nicely. So now that word now in Shemayim, when they want to have the schosim, you know, they want to have, you have your bags of schosim, your bags of merits so that they can judge you. This one's going to come in with a sling on his arm. This one's going to come in with crutches. Is that what you want? The, the, that, is that the, the schos that you want? You want a perfect schos. A perfect schos means, a perfect merit means 
means that I do it in a way that that the bracha has is is said beautifully and it comes out nicely. It's said in a, in, a, in an audible voice at a, a speed where I'm thinking about the words that I'm saying. But the, the, that's that's the ideal way in order to in order to to be yotzer bracha. Now the concept concept of mental recitation, saying something. Um, with my mind here, Kadiba Dami, relying on this concept of pure Kadiba, it does work. There are situations when Nebuch, unfortunately, a person doesn't have the cough, they don't have the strength. Let's say a person is Hasashom, he's sick in bed. He pushes, he can't, doesn't have the, doesn't have the energy to even say the words. Then at a minimum, if he, if under those circumstances, it would be acceptable if the person just thinks the bracha in their head, right? That mental recitation would be, would be, would be sufficient. Um, when a person uh, uh, is not clear, like sometimes you are, you're reading from the sitter or you, you know, etc. right? So let's say on, on Rosh Hashanah, let's just take Rosh Hashanah as an example. So there's, there's lots of stuff to read and the Shemana, so you really want to understand what you're saying. So you looked at a phrase in the, in the, in the Machzor, and then you looked over to see the translation so you could, you could have Kavana as to what you're saying. And then you can't remember, did I actually say the words or did I just read them and then look at the translation with the intent to say them afterwards? Where am I holding? Did I do it? I didn't I do it? Say it again. Say it again. You, the, 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 the idea is if you just thought it and you didn't have the opportunity to actually to actually say it, it's can I to say the word, to say the you words. Don't remember. You don't remember, you can say the words again? You can say the words again. Say It's better that you should say them rather than not. If you didn't say them, you didn't do it properly. So certainly if you know that you just read it, you read it, in the Max, and then you read the translation, and now you know you didn't say it for sure, then you should say it again. Even if not, it's certainly recommended that a person say it again. If a person's in a situation where they're unable to talk, um, I don't know, you're in a place where you can't talk uh, for whatever reason, and you thought you were going to miss the Zman Tfilo, so you, so you davened just by reading it, because, but you were in a place where it wasn't, you know, I don't know, you're in a you're in, the, you're in, I don't know, you're sitting in the, in a hearing in court. That's a good example, right? It's, it's unbelievable. By the way, if you ever want to feel what Mara Shemayim is supposed to feel like, what the way you're supposed to behave, the way a person has to comport themselves, go to court. I had to, I had a situation last week, I had to be in a courtroom and I was sitting in the audience. I wasn't sitting in the, in the, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the court case. I was there to support the person that was in their litigation. And I, and I was sitting in the, on the seats and I, you know, I sit, sit, sat casually back and I put my arm up on the back of the bench, right? And I'm sitting there, I'm watching, what am I doing? I had nothing to do with it. I'm sitting four rows back. There's no one there. There's just, just the judge and the, I'm not part of it. All of a sudden there's a tap on my shoulder. I'm like, what? The, the, uh, what are they calling the, uh, the guard in the, in the yeah. courts, the bailiff. This is me, sir, you're in court. You, you have to pick, take your arm off the back of the chair. Take your arm off, sit up and take your arm off the back of the bench. It reminded me, my rabbi, one of my teachers, Rabbi Waltz, that's all, was a, he was the English principal in the yeshiva, but he was a big Talmud of Rav Hutner. Rav Hutner was the, was the Rosh Hashiva in Chaim Berlin. Chaim Berlin, one of the things that Rav Hutner was very machmed on was Kavratera, that you should, that you should have proper Kavratera. He had in his office, in the Rashiva's office, he had a buzzer that let you in and out of the door. And the way it worked was if you went in to see your footner and then you tried to turn around and walk out the door, he wouldn't buzz it. So you'd be standing at the door and the door was locked. You couldn't get out until you walked out backwards. You had to walk out backwards. So if my, my, this rabbi I walk was very close to Rav He told me about Rav Hutner, And if you were sitting in a shmooz with your legs crossed, right? Rav Hutner would stop the shmooz in front of the whole base match and say, would you please sit normally? It's not covered. It's not proper covered. You want to know what it means to sit in front of a melech. You want to sit in front of the Rebbe You stand in front of the Rebbe 
There's no crossing of feet. Rabbi Giver is very mapped in the yeshiva that the bracham not lean on the shtender. You know, the, the achazan's amud, they not lean on the amud, they not lean on the shtender when they're dominant. You're standing in front of the Rebbe you're leading the tzibur. There's such a thing as kavod tzibur. You, you don't lean on the shtender, you don't put your foot up on the shtender. None of those things, it's small things that we don't, unfortunately, we don't think about them. But the same thing applies to a bracha. I'm saying a bracha, it's appropriate. Get dressed appropriately. You should be wearing clothing. You should be. You should. You should, you should comport yourself as such that I'm having a conversation with the Rambam. I'm looking to bring bracha into the world. I'm looking to create a shefa, a flow of spiritual energy into the world. There's a way to do it, and there's there's a certain there's a certain uh, dignity that has to go along with it that a person has to maintain at all times, especially when you're saying a bracha. So. With regard to just this, regard to this halacha of saying the bracha, a person should recite the bracha preferably out loud in a way that he can hear it himself, say every word clearly so that he doesn't create any crippled and crippled messengers, right? And he should do so. He should do so um, uh, uh, ideally in a way that he can actually hear what he's saying. Even if he can't hear what he's saying, as long as he moves his lips, that's good enough. However, if you just read it. Then it's kadai to say it over again. Do the bracha over again. It's not a bracha lavatala to say the bracha again if you just read it one time. Because according to many shitos, according to many opinions, you're not even yotzi. You haven't even fulfilled the mitzvah. If a person's stuck and he doesn't have any other choice, then of course, then mentally, mentally going through the bracha is better than not doing it at all. Okay. In the beginning of every bracha, we have to recite the Shem Hashem. We have, we're supposed to say, take, to say the Shem Hashem. Saying the Shem Hashem, taking and saying Hashem's name is something that we take, obviously we take very, very seriously. And there's a, there's a, there's, there are names of Hashem that we use that we have to know the meanings of those names. It's important that when we say the names, we know the meaning of what those names, what those names are um, and pronounce them correctly. Um, so, so, so first of all, the proper pronunciation, why am I saying that there's a proper pronunciation of Hashem's name? So as we all know, nowadays, it's very in vogue in a lot of places to not use Ashkenaz, the old, like the old country. It's Kedah, you know, you, you have to do like, uh, you have to do like Evrit, you have to pronounce things the way things are supposed to be pronounced, so supposed to be pronounced, right? That's the, the idea. So even if a person is from, uh, of an Ashkenaz, of Ashkenaz descent, and he, um, and, uh, and he's pronouncing it, he's pronouncing all the words with a Havaras Faradit, right? You should know when it comes to Shem Hashem, when it comes to name Hashem, it's very important not to do that, especially if you're an Ashkenazi. I want to point out to you that the Hartzvi, that's Tzvi Pesach Frank, who was one of the great Rabbanim in Yerushalayim um, in the middle of the 20th century, he even has a suffix in his Sefer. He has a doubt in his Sefer is that even Sephardim, it might be Kadai for them to uh, be careful with the Havara. That's the following. Uh, a brief Bictic lesson. As you know, Right, there are two two um, vowels in, in Hebrew. All the con- the letters are all consonants. The vowels are all those little symbols that we put underneath the letters or on top of the letters. Those are the consonants. Um, those are the vowels. Now there are two vowels in in Lashon Hakodesh that are very similar to one another, in Ivrit that are very similar to one another. That is a komatz and a patach. Right, and the one is just a straight line, a straight horizontal line, and the other one's like a T underneath, underneath the So, so when you teach, if you teach, certainly if you're learning Ivrit, anybody that speaks Ivrit, there's this A and A, there's no difference between them. It's A and it's A, there's no difference. If you speak Havara Ashkenazit, Ashkenazis, then there's A and O. Now, not O, which is the Acholim, which is the dot with a with dot on it, that's O. This is O. It's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit uh, broader sound. 
than, than that, but it's different than ah. What's the, 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 now, why am I making such a big deal out of this? Why am I pointing this out to you? Because if you say, and I'm going to say the word now, nobody should get shocked. Please don't stone me. I'm not saying Hashem's name. I'm telling you right now. If you say Adonai, Adonai means my masters. Adonai, my masters. Where do you find it? In last week's parsha, you found Avram, Avram, Avram Avinu. Avram says to the Malachim, he says to the angels, right? Shvuna um, Adonai, uh, please, my masters, sit down, right? He invites them into his house and he says to them, what is it? Let me just find the passage very quickly for you. In the beginning of Parshas Vayera, he goes running to the, he goes running to the three malachim, to the three angels and Avram Avinu, the man who's introduced to the world, monotheism, all of a sudden he says to them, he says, um, He says, first of all, I don't know why this Kumash has it as a, as a comment. It's not supposed to be that. It's not correct. He says, My masters, if I find if you find favor in your eye, if you find if I find favor in your eyes, please do not go by me. Now, here's Avram Avinu, the master of monotheism, calling these three angels, these three. Men, essentially, maybe they're important looking men, whatever it was, but men, nevertheless, he's calling them, he's calling them by this name. So the word Adon means a master. Adonai is the plural of my masters with a patach, right? Adoni is my master. Adonai is my masters, plural, right? So if you say, if you say, if you say the Shem Hashem is Adonai, then you are essentially simply saying my master. Now that's a, that's a nice praise of Hashem, but it's not the Shem Hashem. Now, it's true that, that when we say that name of Hashem, we mean king of the whole world. We mean, we mean right, we mean, we mean Hashem who is the king of the whole world, right? And we are, so that, that's the meaning of that, that name. But it has to be pronounced Noi because that is the Shem Hashem. That is the name of Hashem. If it's pronounced Nai, it means masters. So one has to be very careful to say the end of that phrase, Adon, and it has to end off Nai, not and nai, not nai. If it ends off nai, now you have a problem. So even if you're makved, you're string, you want to be more careful. You think that it's more accurate to say did You think that somehow they have a better masora than us, or whatever else it was you want to say. Uh, you want to debate with me about that afterwards. We could talk about the 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 shurish, the, the sources of different havarot, where they come from, and whether or not they're influenced specifically with, by from the regions in Europe where you came from, and the way people pronounce words over there. Like uh, Americans have a very hard time, as you know, saying a ch sound. That's a very hard sound for American, regular Americans, not American, not not to right, a ch sound. We, all of us Ashkenazim, we don't pronounce an ayin correctly. An ayin is a very guttural sound. It comes from deep down in the back of your throat. It's supposed to be like an ayin, and it's very hard for us to say, right? The Tzvardim have, have a much easier, easier time with that, right? But so different people have different, but this specific um, Havara is very important, that a person say a nai as opposed to a nai is, is, is it's, it's the difference of whether or not you're saying Shem Hashem, you're saying the name of Hashem, you're not saying the name of Hashem. Now, it's also important to know the meanings of the names of Hashem. So let, let's just review quickly. The Shem Hashem that is written, written a Yud and a He, and a Vav and a He, is the name that no, we don't pronounce the name ever. There is a, there is a group of um, evangelical, I think they're Christian, evangelical Christians that call themselves by that, by that name, the Witnesses. 
You're not allowed to say that name. Even the way they write it, you're not allowed to say it. You, you can't say that name ever. We don't. We never pronounce that name. It was only pronounced in the Beis Hamikdash. We don't pronounce that name. That name. That name. We pronounce that name as you, as you know. We said Adon Hashem. Right. The one. The one is now. Now. So saying that 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 saying that what does that name mean? It has two meanings because it has a pronunciation and a way that a way that it's read and a way that it's pronounced means that it has more than one meaning. It has a double meaning. The first meaning of it is that Hashem is Adon HaKol. He's the master of everything. It also means that he was that he is infinite, that he is beyond time, that he that he is, was, is, and always will be. So when you when you say the Shem Hashem, Baruch HaTon Hashem, and you know, and that name is 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 as we say it, then you what you're saying, what you should be thinking as you're saying that name of Hashem is Adon Hakol, he's the master of everything. was, is, and always will be. I'll get to it in a moment if you have to have that kavana every single time you make a bracha. And if you're going to stop it, you're going to say, okay, well, well, I'll get to that in a moment. Then there's, a, there's the second name of Hashem that we mentioned in our, most of our brachos is Elokeinu. Elokeinu means Baal HaKochos Kulam. He is the source of all energies. Elokeinu means, they translate it usually, I think, in most English translations as Lord. It's not a great translation. Hashem, Hashem, the name Hashem, the name Elohim, the name El means one who has power. And El is something that has power. That's why we say something like, Micha Mocha, who is like you, Ba'elim Hashem, amongst Elim, the other gods. If El was a word that meant a god, then how can we say, how can we say such a thing? Who is like you amongst the gods, Hashem? We, we, we don't acknowledge any other gods. There is no such thing as another god. Right, so El just means power. One who is has power. Elokim means the one who is the source of all power, which essentially means that Hashem is the source of and maintaining maintains creation at every instant and in every moment. It's very significant when you're saying the Shavashma for the Kavanas of the Shema, etc. But that is the that is the name that is the that is the name of Hashem that is most important. There are other there are other Shemos of Hashem that we use regularly. One is. Well, first of all, the first the name the name of Hashem that is spelt with the five letter name of Hashem, um, the four letter name of Hashem that we don't pronounce, right? The first two letters are also named Hashem. So Yud and, and a Hey, we never say those two together. We say that we would say Ka, right? Or or right? And and the same thing. Normally, if we're talking about Hashem in reference to Hashem, we would say Kale, and we say t- the other is is Shakai, which is spelled with a Dalit, not with a Kuf. Which means the one who is who 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 limits the whole world. He holds the whole world in his, in his power. And Svakos, which is the Lord of the hosts, which means Hashem is the leader of the Hashem controls the whole world. Those are the Shemos. Those are the names of Hashem that we don't that we don't pronounce. Now it's very difficult to despite what despite what we've just said, it is very difficult to know the name of Hashem. Every single time I'm making a bracha, if I'm every bracha I make, I go Baruch Ato Hashem, and I'm thinking Adon Akol Hayahol Bevia Elokeinu Balakolchos Kulam Melacha Olam Was the King All Right? It's going to take me a long time to make brachos, and the reality is you're not going to make that many brachos with a lot of kavana. So there are two solutions that I saw brought down. One he one he he mentions I think in the top over here on the top of page forty eight. That is 
that a person, the first bracha that you make in the, the beginning of the day, let's say it's al natil sedaim, that bracha when you have when you say that bracha of al natil sedaim, you have this kavana in mind. You're not in a rush to do anything anyway. Probably, I mean, maybe you are. Maybe you're running late for work and you're just quickly making al natil sedaim. But when you make that first bracha, if you have intent during that bracha and that kavana, that kavana can carry over for the whole day. You can have kavana and wait. It's even better if at the time when you have kavana, you say, the kavana that I'm having in this bracha should also be my kavana for the rest of the day. That is, again, ideally, every single bracha you make, you're going to want to be happy. You're going to want to have the proper kavana. You're going to have the proper intent. But even if I don't do it every single bracha, at least, at least that first bracha. Um, the second way that I, the second idea is that I saw brought down, and you see, if you look on the bottom, and, and he brings it from the Afika Yam in, the, in footnote number 50 over there, you can say at the beginning of the day, Hashem means, this name of Hashem means, that he was, isn't always, will be, and he's Adon HaKol, he's the master of the universe, and also Elokeinu means that he is the source of all energies, and that is my Kavana, whenever I say the names of Hashem during this day, that should be the Kavana, the Kavana that I'm having now, that this is the meaning of those names, that should be my kavana, that should be my intent for the entire day, and that works. You could do that. A person would be allowed to do that. So that, 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 is, that, is, um, that is acceptable. Now, with regard to this halacha of saying Hashem's name in vain, there are two positive commandments that a person transgresses when he takes the name of Hashem in vain. It's no, there are no negative commandments. It's only two positive commandments of keeping Hashem's name, kadosh, maintaining the kadusha the holiness of Hashem's name. And if a person violates that, so he has violated these two mitzvot saseh. Um, the, the specifically, the, na- the shameless that it's relevant to are four. The name Shakai, the name Tzvakos, which is, which is Hashem is Lord of the hosts, the name Elokeinu, and the name of Hashem. Those are the names that a person can't say, that a person's not allowed to say uh, um, uh, without, unless it's, uh, unless it's in the context of a tefillah or a pasuk. A person, a person in the context of studying, teaching, or saying a tefillah himself, even a private tefillah. If I want to say, let's say, uh, th- this is something, uh, personally, I'm a little bit more careful about this uh, when I do it, but I see all the machzorim and all the cards that you give out to your kids, right? Those of you that teach little kids on going into Rosh Hashanah, you know, you give out the cards with all the hiratons. They all say, it should be your will, Hashem, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem was Elokeinu, that we should be like the head of the sheep and not like the tail. Or when you eat the, when you eat the celery, right? So in, in my personal Hanada, in my own houses, we only say the Yiratzon on the tapuach, on the apple, on the apple and honey. There we say Yiratzon mofanach Hashem, Elokeinu, 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 we say Shem Hashem. And all other Yiratzons, we just say Yiratzon mofanach, and we don't say Hashem Hashem. Yiratzon mofanach, it should be your will, Hashem. It should be your will. And that our enemies should be destroyed, or whatever it is that they were saying, right? That we should have many merits like the pomegranate, right? We don't say the name of Hashem. In my house, we don't say the name of Hashem. But you could technically do that. And in fact, even if you're making your own personal tefillah, let's say you're going into a test and you and you and you you know you you want to say a short tefillah to Hashem, it's a perfectly acceptable thing to do. You or, or Hashem should help me, that I should be successful in this test. So there's no, there's no, you could say within, you could say that and you could say the shame Hashem, you could say the name of Hashem, there's no problem. You could make a, a private tefillah, you want to say a private tefillah, it's per, completely permissible. However, right, under normal circumstances, any other circumstance, you're reading some 
text, I, don't know, the, so I think there's one on one top of one of the temples around here, has a Shem Hashem. You're reading it there, don't read the Shem Hashem. You're not allowed to read it. Now, if it would be a full Pasuk, it wouldn't be, it would be less of a problem. But you're not supposed to read a full name of Hashem. But that goes on those four names that I mentioned before. Shakai, Tzavakos, right, uh, Elokeinu, and, and the name of Hashem. The, Ad, the Adnos name of Hashem, the name of Hashem. And of course, there's the name of Hashem that we never pronounce ever, right? And, and which even the first two letters of that we don't pronounce. If you're talking about Chanun, Verachum, we're talking about names of Hashem that describe ways that he interacts with the world. Hashem is a Rachum, Hashem is merciful, Hashem is Chanun, Hashem finds favor in everybody's eyes, etc. Those types of things do not require, those are not called, those are not called names of Hashem. They're the way Hashem interacts with the world. Even though all the names of Hashem, by the way, by definition, are only how HaKadosh Baruch Hu A name, understand this, this is a very important, just a very important concept just in general. A name defines something. What a name is defines its essence. So, we can never def- hope to define the essence of the Rebbeinu the master of the universe, right? You can't. We can't define his essence. He's infinite. So the, defining him would would be oxymoronic. You can't. You can't define something that's infinite. Def- the, those two things don't go together. So they're simply ways of either referring to that Kaddish Baruch Hu or describing how Hashem interacts with the world. If the how we refer to Hashem, that means how Hashem interacts with us. Uh, how Hashem interacts with us. So then we, those are shameless, those are the names that we don't use. If they are shameless that describe how we perceive Hashem interacting, like Rachum, Chanun, Gibor, etc., those names, those, those types of descriptions of Hashem, we would be allowed, we would be allowed to say them. Um, we, we would be allowed to say them. Now, oftentimes, as I just did now, we substitute names for Hashem, interestingly enough. So, so like Shakai or Tzavakos or Ka. Right, those are all Elokim, those are all substitutions. The one substitution that the postkim seem to talk about that they don't like is which in some places is very popular. I think it's been lately, I've have I've heard it much less, but there are places where they say Adoshem, meaning they don't want to say the name of Hashem, so they say Adoshem. So that so that the postkim say you should not do that because that's a completely meaningless word. It has no significance whatsoever. And you could say Hashem. Hashem means Hashem means the name. The name means I'm, it's a name that I'm not. It's an it's, a, it's an unutterable name. It's a name that I don't want to pronounce. So I'm showing kavod. I'm showing respect to say Adoshem, which is just a. It's like saying gibberish. It's like saying blula. Hashem is blula. No, you don't want to do that because that's that's not respectful. I Elokim Tzvakos Shakai. Those things all also don't mean anything. They also have no meaning, right? But but there at least you're saying. I think the rationale is again. He brings down on the bottom over here a, a big issue with that. But I think that the answer to that is when you say Elokim or you say Ka or you say Tzvakos, you know the name that ever, all the, the whole form of the name is there. When you say Adoshem, you're not saying you're not saying the name of Adnos and you're not saying Hashem. You're not saying either thing. You're saying something that's a, a combination of nothing. And even if you, you're, you're not substituting one letter or something so that, so that a person gets the idea of what you're saying. So therefore, that's not that would be incorrect. To do that now, when a person makes a bracha l'matzalot, let's say it happens, right? I thought I was about to uh, eat a grape. I say baruch Hashem. Let's say I only got to Hashem, right? And and all of a sudden, some one of my kids grabs the grape before I get a chance to eat it. So now, what I do? I started making a bracha already. So the 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 standard is if a person just said the words baruch Hashem, you could say lamdeni chukecha, which is a pasuk in Tehillim. Baruch HaTzavad HaMelech says, Baruch HaTzavad HaShem, Lamdeni Chukecha, Blessed are you, Hashem. 
who teaches me your laws. So that is a full pasuk. That is an entire verse. If you say lamdeni chukecha, that is that is sufficient to take away a bracha levatala. If a person did say a bracha and it turned out that it was unnecessary, I thought that I was making a bracha on something, and it turned out that I that I didn't need to make that bracha for whatever reason. I don't know. I thought I was going to smell something, and then the tent didn't have any smell to it or whatever it is. A person should say baruch shem kavod malchuso lo olam vaed. A person between dead Baruch Shem for Malchuso is basically Hashem. Your name should be blessed. In other words, so it is a shallow in poskim. Just as an interesting, just as an interesting mental exercise, if you will. What does what is what does Baruch Shem for Malchuso accomplish? According to some shitos, Baruch Shem for Malchuso accomplishes that now the name of Hashem that I said until now, I'm saying that I just meant that as a praise. I was praising your name by saying, Bari Priya Goffin, you're the one that created the you're, you're the one that created the grapes. So now I'm Baroshenkwamakosolombad, and I reiterate the fact that your name should be blessed. So now I, I turn that blessing into just a, instead of being a bracha on something, it's just a way of my, my being Meshabach, the Rebersham. It takes away the bracha of Atala completely. There's no bracha of Atala. The whole thing was just a Shabbat. That's one shita. There's another shita that says the opposite. It says, no, you made a bracha of Atala. It's done. That's too late. Sorry, you're, you're, you're done. But if you want to rectify the fact that you just made a bracha levatala, you took Hashem's name not not correctly. We'll get to it in a moment exactly what you did wrong when you made a bracha levatala. But when you made it, you you want to rectify that you you can't rectify what you did. You, you said Hashem's name with that you said you said a bracha that was unnecessary. An unnecessary bracha is an unnecessary bracha. But you can now rectify that by saying by balancing it out by doing something positive, which is that you now praise Hashem. So so. You, on the one hand, you said something wrong, you did something wrong, and then you go ahead and you rectify that by uh, by offering the name of Hashem. You th- that would be that would be sufficient. There is one more um, there is one more uh, eitzah, one more su- suggestion that is made. Um, this is much rarer that comes up, but let's say if so, if a person said Baruch Ato Hashem, he can say Lamdeni Chukecha. If he said Baruch Ato Hashem Elokeinu, it's too late. You can't say Lamdeni Chukach anymore because it's no longer the Pasuk. That's not the verse in Tehillim. So you just finish the bracha and then you say Baruch Shem Kvod Malchusol Olam Let's say a person just said Baruch HaTah Hashem Elokei, right? But he didn't say the whole word Elokeinu. He said Elokei and he didn't say Nu and, and or, or he realized all of a sudden that the bracha wasn't going to go through. Baruch HaTah Hashem Elokei, oops. So you can say Elokei, you could say Elokei, Elokei, um, Yisrael Avinu me olam va'ad olam. Baruch Ato Hashem. Elokei Yisrael Avinu me olam va'ad olam, which is a pasuk in Divrei Hayamim. That pasuk would also be significant. That would also be sufficient to take off the bracha of Atala. And according to the shitas, again, it depends which way you're going. If you hold that you make, a, if you make a bracha of Atala, you can, you can then turn that into a shavach by saying Baruch Hashem. There's no advantage to this. But if you hold that it's a bracha levatala, and then you just have to balance it out, so then rather than making a bracha levatala, if you say bracha to Hashem, okay, uh, Yisrael, Melech Olam, Mina Olam, Ara Olam, right? So then, then you then you have succeeded in uh, forestalling the shame Hashem, not saying the shame Hashem in vain. Um, okay, now an interesting an interesting. Uh, uh, outcome what he says over here I'm, I'm, I'm on page 50 at number seven right now that an interesting idea that that also comes out that's that's re- very relevant that's significant in today's day and age is the idea that what happens if i want to watch a recording of my wedding and then the war in the recording of my wedding they have the people making the brachos under the chuppah and they're going to say the shame hashem 
when they're saying the recording under the chuppah? Or, better yet, what about when Rabbi Jay plays his Rabbi Jay plays his benching right for the kids, and he's saying the Shem Hashem? Now, over there you have a you have an additional something that helps you is the fact that he's saying the Shem Hashem in order to teach them. So even if he was saying it aloud, alive, he could do that. But let's say let's say somebody, one of the kids, just got a hold of the tape recorder and they just turned it on. They just wanted to listen to it just for fun. Are they allowed to do that? Are you allowed to listen to a recording which has the Shem Hashem in it just because you feel like listening to it? So that Ramosha says that it's not appropriate. Ramosha feels it's very, it's very inappropriate to have a recording of the Shem Hashem just for this entertainment's sake, just to just to do it for for no reason at all. He's not happy about it. Again, it's not it's not taking it's not saying the name of Hashem in vain because there's nobody saying anything. It's just an electrical thing. It's just not the covered. It's not proper respect for the Shem Hashem, and therefore you want to avoid doing that. You don't want to. You really don't want to do that. So if you have such a thing in your videotape or in your on your CD or whatever it is. So fast forward 10 seconds past that. So it shouldn't be set out. You shouldn't be sitting there and watching for your entertainment, somebody saying the Shem Hashem. That's not, that's just not, it's just not appropriate. Even like if you listen to things on Torah anytime, lots of times the speaker will take a break. Excuse me. And make a bracha. That's different. So, so that would be very good. So again, so let me, let me reiterate. If you're, what you're doing is you're watching somebody and he makes a bracha, and you, you, it just happens to be a part of what you're watching. So that's a, that, that's a different thing. I think that, that, that's a very good example. Mrs. Lewin just asked, if somebody's watching a, a, a lecture live, or not live, even even you're watching a recording, sometimes we uh, we put Rabbi Friend over here up to, to do his chuba drasha. And Rabbi Friend, in the middle of his drasha, he, take, he takes a sip of water. So he stops, he makes a beautiful bracha, baruch Hashem, right? And everybody says, amen. And we're sitting there, and uh, should I say Amen? Should I not say Amen? We'll get to saying Amen. What about saying Amen next week in Mitzvah? But should, should I? Shouldn't I? Right? It's not a real bracha, but but it's that there. It's not a bizarre. There, there's, there's no. It's not. It's not. Not. It's not disrespectful the way it's done in that context, because it's part of the. It's part of the drasha. It's part of the lecture. It's just part of the part of seeing the whole thing. But if I'm watching like a wedding video, that's that's a good a good, a good example. When I'm watching a wedding video. The whole thing is entertainment. The whole thing, what I'm doing is just entertainment. When I'm watching somebody, when I'm watching somebody teach me Torah, that's not entertainment. I'm not watching Torah. That's much more serious. Torah is not entertainment. You know, there's a, a, there's a fascinating Gemara. The Gemara says that Dabana Melech said, your, your, your laws to me are like songs. They like, they, they enlighten my soul. They make me feel joyous. Gemara says, Dabana Melech got punished for that. Why? The Gemara says because to refer to the to the Torah as miros is just songs. That this is not that's not something we do. The Gemara says in a number of places. The Gemara brings down in the name of Abaye, one of the sages of the Talmud, that 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 a person doesn't just casually say words of Torah, like just say it out. Like ah, uh, it, it just you have it has to be thought out. It's something that's serious. It's something that I'm holding in. I don't, we don't joke. Torah is not a Torah is not a. So so when I'm watching somebody give a schmooze, that's not. And I don't do that for entertainment, right? I should, a person should never think of it that as entertainment. The downside, I guess, of these beautiful things, and we have all these lectures, Torah anytime, and all the rest of that. The, the, those things that we can always listen to, right? Is that sometimes you have a really entertaining speaker. I don't care who you, who who your preference is, right? So you and you watch him because he's funny and he's. No, Rav Gav, oh, he makes me laugh every time, right? I want to, I want to watch him because he makes me laugh, right? If you're not learning Torah from him, there's not something serious component for it. There, there's a problem with that. Torah, Torah is not meant to be just a filler in. It's meant to be. It's meant to be something that's 
that I take seriously. It's, it's, it has a certain gravitas to it. It has a certain a certain chashivas importance. It has to be. It has to be that way. So I would say if somebody makes a bracha in the middle of a, a Torah lecture. I don't look at that as the same as as watching somebody make the brachas under the chuppah for where I'm just watching the chasna because I want to be entertained because it was it's fun to watch it again and to forget the you know the, the happy feeling again. I think those are a little bit different. Okay. okay. The bracha is that if you say the wrong bracha on something, it's like I said, like I meant to say eight and I said adama. And do you also say Baruch Hashem Kibbutz? No, so we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, okay. we'll get to where, which, which things are called Baruch what's called Baruch Hashem Natsuicha, which brachas I have to undo, which brachas I don't have to undo. Those are, those are there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about in that. Okay, so again, in talking about in talking about um, saying the name of Hashem. Right, and when a person's learning, you're not mechuyev to do that. You're not obligated to do that any time of learning. If I'm learning a gemara and the gemara quotes part of a quotes a pasuk, so you could say the shem Hashem in that pasuk as well, even if it's not the whole pasuk. The custom is not to do that. Usually, the, the custom is that one does not say does not say uh, does not say the shem Hashem when it's not when it's not an entire pasuk. And that seems that generally the custom is when people even when people are learning, they don't say the pasukim. They 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 don't say the shem of Hashem. They don't say the names of Hashem, but um, you would be allowed to. Similarly, if you're teaching a child brachos, you're allowed to say the Shem Hashem when you teach a child a bracha. In fact, it's advisable that when you're teaching your children, you should say the Shem Hashem because I can't tell you how many times I've been in shul, right? A bar mitzvah gets up there and he says, Baruch Hato Hashem. And the whole shul goes, ah! And the kid's embarrassed and he's in, right? But because what happened? Because he was practicing for his bar mitzvah. And when he was practicing, he never, he's learning how to say the brachos and he's learning the nigan and all the rest of that. So he doesn't say the Shem Hashem. So he's learning the Berkas of Torah, or he's learning how to get an aliyah, how to say the Berkas for the aliyah, and he doesn't say the Shem Hashem. And now he comes to his bar mitzvah, and he, and he, and he, and he makes a mistake, and the whole shul's correct, and he's embarrassed, etc. It's not, it's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is when you're teaching a child to, to say a bracha, so then you you say the Shem Hashem. Of course, if you're saying a bracha, so that the child knows how to say a bracha, nobody should say amen to your bracha. That's not, that's not a real bracha, but... Uh, but but when you're showing somebody how to make a bracha, even an adult, if you, when you're showing them how to make a bracha, you're allowed you are allowed to say the shem Hashem, and you should say the shem Hashem because otherwise they're not going to learn correctly and they're not going to know what it is that they want to say. Okay, I'm going to leave it over there. I'm going to leave it up to everybody to if you want to review today a quick review of today's share. If you have the book, page 52 is a summary of the entire section three. We went from basically from page where we're on the where next time in Hashem will start. On page 53. On page 53, we'll talk about Brachal of Atala, what's called a Brachal of Atala, and what's called a Brachashin and Tzricha, unnecessary Brachos, and Brachos that are said in vain. What's the prohibition against that? What, when, when is it a problem? And uh, how do we fix that? Okay. And if anyone that want, knows somebody that wants to hear this year, Mitzvah by the end of the night tonight, should have it posted on my podcast. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.